back, loyal listeners. Welcome, new listeners, to Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 6, Happily Ever After. And with me, as always, but not feeling so well, Jen. Hey, everybody. Jen is going to podcast through this. In the meanwhile, she's going to try to stop feeling sick. Start feeling awesome instead. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. We'll see. I have an interesting tidbit that I read. Oh, wait. First of all, we were trying to figure out how many episodes we've podcast, and I'm happy to say this is number 70. All right. Number 70. Nice, even number, divisible by by 10. So worth mentioning. I won't mention anything again until we get to 100. Happy anniversary to us. Or not anniversary, but happy milestone to us. Okay. That'll work. Here's a fun little quiz okay. that you won't be able to answer, but you'll have fun hearing the answer. I love those. <laughs> there were two cast members from The Walking Dead that appeared on How I Met Your Mother. Now. Now the Walking Dead franchise or the original Walking Dead? Uh, the original Walking Dead. Okay. Help you narrow it down, although that won't help you because. Because <laughs> they played zombies. You wouldn't know. It, it it's a main cast member. So obviously John Bernthal, we already right, have that right. one in the bank. Mm-hmm. Being that you were even pausing and not just saying him right away, I'm guessing right. you won't get the next one. I don't feel well. Stop giving me hard quizzes. No, no, yeah, you wouldn't get this anyways. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Very few would. But in a few episodes from now, we're going to be in the episode called The Fight. And the crew of guys that take up the gang seats that the bartender Doug kicks out and then ends up getting into a fight with outside. One of them is played by Carrie Payton, who plays King Ezekiel. How funny. But you have to look very closely because he's not very recognizable as King Ezekiel, obviously, without the hair. I'm confused why you're bringing this up now and you didn't just save it for that episode. I thought about saving it, but I just didn't have much to talk about at the front of this one. Okay. And also... If people are going to watch the episode before they listen to us, I want them looking out for it. Okay, fair. In fact, the second answer is better. Yeah, let's just stick with the second one. (laughs) Uh, That's all the fun facts I have. What are your thoughts on Happily Ever After? Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. It was slightly more enjoyable than I remembered, but it wasn't great. I didn't love it. I didn't really even like it. I didn't hate it. It wasn't horrible. But very few laugh lines. There weren't a lot of horrible lines either, but... I thought there was a few good, like, one-liners. This is the version of Ted I don't like. Mm -hmm. I don't like when he's, as they say in this, a giant weenie. (laughs) I think he's trying not to be a giant weenie. I think he's trying to smush down his feelings and just move on with his life. I think that's the opposite of being a giant weenie. No, I think that's exactly what a giant weenie would do. No, I think a giant weenie, giant weenie may wallow. Uh, I don't know that a weenie wallows. I think we're going down a weird <laughs> path, but I think he's he's trying to be stoic, which I don't necessarily see as weenie-esque. Uh, someone that's being stoic doesn't hide under a table, and someone who's a weenie hides under a table. If anything, they should have turned around, glared at her, made her feel uncomfortable, and let her just walk out out of discomfort. So that was the thing that I was thinking of in this scenario, like... 
as, and Robin's doesn't line up, but for, like, Lily's and Barney's examples of, like, who they didn't, wouldn't want to see, they did something wrong. Ted didn't do anything wrong here. And, you know, neither did Robin, so it doesn't exactly line up. But it, I guess the storytelling was a little off for me there because of that. Like, it wasn't, the examples just didn't quite match what Ted is going through. Yeah, the through line here was bad, and there wasn't a lot of equality throughout the stories. Yeah, there there just wasn't a common theme. Yeah. Except for I wouldn't want to see this person, but it just – I wouldn't want to see this person. They were coming from very many different angles, and some people might have actually liked that, but I, I didn't. And then, you know, I don't think Marshall ever told. No, Marshall didn't have a story. Um, Which is unusual that they wouldn't just have everyone – Tell one. Right. That's usually how they handle these things. Right. But yeah, the, I guess the whole premise of the episode is just, yeah, like Ted didn't do anything wrong. He shouldn't be hiding. Like, yeah, if, if anything, yeah, Stella should be the one that feels bad and right should be uncomfortable. This was sort of a reversed situation that didn't make any sense to right. me. Especially considering, yeah, there's five of them and one of her. So, you know, <laughs> in theory, she would be you know, intimidated and embarrassed or whatever. Yeah. Well, we start off with the narrator talking about how, to his kids, the day you get married should be the happiest day of your life, but his first one didn't go so well. All right, we get a little flash of the scene of him noticing the note, you know, as he's getting ready for the wedding. Yeah, in parallel with Stella on the boat kissing Tony. Mm-hmm. They're all at McLaren's right now, and Ted's giving this monologue very soulfully that, you know, as he looks back on it now, Stella, he was sure Stella was the one and he was so devastated, but his friends have helped him to overcome his pain and he's stronger now, especially as he gets further away from this and his time has gone by. And Lily points out, uh, Ted, the wedding was yesterday. It's been 24 hours, (laughs) which I think is actually was a very good line in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice because you think, like, oh, he's had some time to reflect. Yeah, we, we think but, it's yeah. a month later when he's talking. Right. But Ted's, you know, Ted's just ready to move on. He is ready to celebrate that he's over this so quickly, and he needs some cool and the gang. And then it's strange that they, it doesn't seem like they play cool and the gang as the music in the background <laughs> after that. <laughs> is there music in the background? Yeah, know. there was a little bit. You could barely hear it, but it... You think if he's going to celebrate, they're going to play Celebrate by Cool and the Gang. You would think. But that's not what happened. But yes, he dances his way over to the jukebox. Or as Barney says, pops and locks his way over to the jukebox. Right. And Barney posits to himself that maybe Stella made the right call. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good line. (laughs) People seem to be very angry in this episode that Ted's not angry. Yes. Everyone is mining their own anger on Ted's behalf. And Barney thinks, well, maybe he's not angry because he's happy he didn't get married. I like his reference here that he had, this is the best train dodge since Stand By Me. Well, not the first kid, but the other. So for anyone who hasn't seen Stand By Me, a bunch of kids go out on a quest to see the dead body of a boy that got hit by a train. Oh, see, I didn't remember that part. I was like, that kid got hit by a train? That's how he died? Yeah, that was the whole thing is that his body was how out there. usually and- get smushed all <laughs> That's if I think that's if you get run over by a train, but if you just get hit by it, you f- your body flies off into the air and into the woods, and hmm. okay, four boys will come looking for you and be Only and try and be heroes. 80s, or was it the sixties? 
I guess the story kind of took place in the 50s. But the movie was the 80s. Okay. <laughs> yeah, movies with the 80s. Good movie. Clearly, I have not seen it very much. Oh, well, I haven't seen it in a long time. But then, you know, a group of kids that include Will Wheaton, mm-hmm. Corey Feldman. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. Young, chunky Jerry O'Connell from the time. And River Phoenix oh, before yeah. he was a heartthrob. And dead, obviously. Um, Rude. So they go looking for the body of the kid that got hit by the train. And in doing such, they cross this very long, suspended train bridge or train track bridge that goes over a river, I guess, or a gully. And as they're going over it, you know, if, if a train comes, they have nowhere to go. So that by the end of it, they have to jump off of it to avoid the train. And that's the train, jo- train dodge that Barney's referring to here. And as Barney's giving this little scenario, we have Ted dancing in the background, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, he wasn't really popping and locking. <laughs> but he was dancing strangely. As he always does. And then he like, does a quick, like, dance by the table. Like, What's up? <laughs> yeah. Or it gauze, as my misprinted transcripts say. I should have just used my wonderful transcript. Yeah, Jen found another set of transcripts to use, but she has to reposition all the sentences to go into the right paragraphs. I mean, I don't really have to do that. I do it so I don't waste a ton of paper. Oh, okay. Look at you. Yes, I'm an environmentalist. Hmm. I like that instead of having to retranslate the (laughs) other transcript. Mm -hmm. So we get a montage of the gang trying to help Ted feel better over the next, you know, whatever amount of time that's passing here. Or was it leading up to this scene? No, I think it was from this point forward. Okay. Because, I mean, if it's only been 24 hours since the wedding. So you got Lily and Robin trying to bring him pizza and beer. He's fine. He says Marshall comes in with a baseball glove. You want to have a catch. You want to have a catch. Another reference to Field of Dreams phrasing of to have a catch. Mm -hmm. Barney enters with two women at a different period. And Ted tells him he's fine. It's, this is not necessary and a little weird. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> and I like Barney here. I did not realize you'd be home. So we're subverting the, the pattern. Right. And I like that I did not know you'd be home. I thought that to the stairwell was a little strange. <laughs> right. These are some attractive women. I don't think they're the kind of women that are going to hook up with him in a stairwell. You wouldn't think so. But he says, finally, after two weeks, the inevitable emotions boil over. But it's not his emotions. We're back at McLaren's, and it's Lily. Right. So Ted just asks if, you know, everybody wants to get some dinner, and (laughs) Lily reacts poorly. Oh, shut up. For some reason, they feel like being there for him means that he has a breakdown and they help. So they seem to all, except for Barney, be angry that he's not reacting more strongly to this. I don't think Robin cares. Oh, yeah, I guess not. So it's mostly Marshall and Lily that are having some feelings about Ted not having feelings. Yeah, Marshall's concerned that he's not facing what happened. And when Lily left, he wanted to remind him that, you know, he held in his feelings. And then we get a flashback to Marshall in Ted's arms crying. And his face, while he's crying in this scene, he looks like a Muppet character. (laughs) You know that really big, giant, hairy one that has the upside-down like the frowny mouth. Mm-hmm. That's who he reminds me of in that scene. Well, that's funny because Tyler and I were just watching The Muppets. And right. There's that whole song where he, there's the Muppet version of Jason Siegel. 
I don't remember that scene. I guess I haven't seen it for a little while. Yeah, it's really... I had forgotten about it, and so, you know, him and his, you know, Muppet brother are singing a song about, you know, if they're... Gary? Yeah, their men are Muppets, and so there's a Muppet version of Jason Siegel and then the man version of Walter the Muppet. Do you remember who the... <laughs> the human version of Walter? No, who is it? Um, Jim Parsons. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was really funny to watch. I said again. Gary, but it's Walter. Walter's the little guy, right? Yeah, Gary's Jason Siegel and Walter's Oh, okay. Muppet. Ted points out that... Oh, or Robin points out that, yeah, you, he, he, he had been a real rock in Marshall. Well, he <laughs> should have been worse. Could he have been worse? I mean, we watched season no, two. No, he could not have been worse, unless he actually did set Lily's stuff on fire. <laughs> I like that Lily pretend, you know, is acting offended that that was Ted's recommendation. Like, Lily has to know that she was terrible. She still doesn't seem to know that. <laughs> we had the whole Lily Still Christmas episode. Right. Ted says he's good. He's not going to release the Berserker or anything. Right. And Barney, again, is, you know, on Ted's side. Yeah. If Ted were married, he'd be married. He'd be in New Jersey, and he'd be married. He's fine. They suggest a few places to go to eat, and Ted keeps shooting them down based on the risk of running into Stella. We get right. And so here's goals. the first we see of, like, any issue with this breakup. Right. The, now... This is his version of Berserker, I guess. But the name of the restaurants include the names Michael, Hurley, and Charlie, which at this point were all characters' names on the TV show Lost. So I think they were doing a little nod to the TV show Lost. I can't think of any symbolism here (laughs) between Lost and this show, but nevertheless. It's really weird names, too. Flat Michaels, Meatloaf Charlie's. Flat Michaels, I could see. Hurley's, I could see. Yeah, Meatloaf Charlie is a little strange. <laughs> right. I don't know anyone that's going to Meatloaf Charlie for, for dinner. You better have really good food. <laughs> and I like Meatloaf, but I'm not going to get it at a restaurant. Right. So they're trying to figure out where they can go that meets Ted's expectations here. And Ted pulls out a map that he has made for himself. And I like the line delivery from Robin. I think we hear this kind of line delivery a lot of, what you got there, Ted? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I can't remember where else we get that, but it's always when someone's acting a little crazy and someone else is like, what you doing there, so-and-so? I feel like we just saw it on Parks and Rec when Ben was, like, making his, like, stop-motion animation. He's like, what you got there, Ted? <laughs> <laughs> That does sound familiar. Rob Lowe. So Ted, we literally just saw that. Yes, we did. Um, so Ted has a map that he made. Red areas are places to avoid. White areas are safe. And blue is water. Lily thinks that's ridiculous. <laughs> Robin points out that water is blue. Yeah. It's a stupid line that I like. I could see you liking that. <laughs> Here's where Marshall calls Ted a gutless weenie. <laughs> Ted explains that this is how people from Ohio do this. They push it down. And when it comes back up, they push it down again. Um, why confront somebody when all you have to do is never see them again and live a happy life? So let's go eat. All right. So Lily points out um, that she knows about a tapas place in the white zones. That someone told her about. Yeah, somebody just told her about it. So they decide to go there. Ted asks, yeah, they go, they go to the restaurant. They're, you know, starting to look at the menu. And Ted asks Lily who had recommended the place. And Lily doesn't remember. But then she does. And then she does, yes. So it was Stella. And Stella's there ordering at the, or picking up. I guess she's ordering there because she's there for a while. Right. 
and Ted disappears under the table and makes everyone else come too. Barney doesn't want to get under this table. Maybe he'd get under that table where there were three, I guess, attractive women sitting. Put a pin in that. So everyone's hiding under the table. And... Well, at first, everybody except Ted bulks until Robin says she's turning around, and then they all go under. Also. Good point. Marshall peeks out to make check if she's still there and hears her over saying or responding to the server asking if she'll need utensils. She said no, she's going straight home. Put a pin in that. And so Marshall updates them. <laughs> Ted's like, did she seem happy? Did she say anything about me? Kind of weird questions. <laughs> I think it's a cliche sitcom-y breakup follow-up question. Marshall wants him to go yell at her. But no, that's not the Ohio way. But Lily points out, you may be from Ohio, but your emotions live here in New York and go handle the situation. Right. But Ted says you'd do the same if you were in this situation. Right. And so... Lily said, you know, disagrees. She wouldn't hide under a table from anyone. And Ted asks about Gasser. And Lily reacts negatively. You know, how dare you mention that name to me? We get a you son of a bitch from Barney. I'm surprised we didn't get one here from Lily. Yeah. And I think the one that's coming up from Barney is the very first one of many that we hear. You son of a bitch. No, we've gotten you son of a bitches from Lily before. I don't think so. Not yet. Really? Lily tells the backstory. Michael Sasser was a guy that she was in high school with. He sat next to her in ninth grade biology. Apparently he was a real geek in middle school. But the summer before ninth grade, he grew 12 inches and joined the baseball team and was right on the precipice of popularity. And the Lily we get here in ninth grade is goth Lily. So apparently she had that all the way through high school and then her freshman year in college. Wow, she really stuck to that look. She really did. And then as they're sitting there, we hear a fart. They ask her what she did. She said she only had one choice. She blames it on Sasser. She's like, fart much? He he defends himself. She said, you know. We get an as if, which I like yeah. as a 90s reference. You know, Being he, in high school. Right. He, he tries to say it was her. She, she says as if, right? Yeah. And then she says, Sasser, we ought to call you ga- more like Gasser. And then <laughs> starts the kids chanting. Start chanting. <laughs> and this kid's desperately trying, no, I'm on the baseball team. I'm, I'm cool. cool. <laughs> but no avail. Yeah. He's, he got stuck with the nickname and eventually had to change schools. <laughs> Barney's reaction. Kids are awesome. Hmm. Which is interesting considering we found out, you know, Barney was bullied a bit, or at least he didn't have a lot of friends. It's interesting that he has that reaction. Good point. Lily says that as uncomfortable as it would be, she would go up and settle things, and like Robbins, clear the air, as it were, and then really <laughs> likes her own joke. Oh man, right. those don't come around very often. You are welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I know, I do enjoy Robin thinking she's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> the server appears under the table, tries to figure out what, is, what it is they want. Ted, at this point, is legitimately trying to order and potentially eat from under the table. <laughs> right. So the waiter brought the almonds. <laughs> yeah, Ted tries asking about the specials, and Barney... Barney tries to... Okay, we can cut Bar- Barney is not down with staying under, the, under this table. 
out of all the chicks he banged that he doesn't want to see again, if any of them came there, he would not hide under the table. Ted says, really, what about Becca DeLucci? Then we get the waiter. Who's Becca DeLucci? Yeah, and also we get, you son of a bitch, from Barney, which I will, <laughs> right. I, I maintain is the first mention of this. Uh, anybody out there listening that can name one before this, please do. Yeah. We'll put a pin in that. I will check. There's one website that usually will mention when there's, like, things that show up more than once. Okay. I'll go on while you look that up. Robin wants to know who Becca DeLucci is. Barney mentions that she's a woman that he would see from time to time that was in Bedford Hills Federal Penitentiary. Well, he starts with, you know, she lives upstate. Okay. Um, Then we get to his flashback. So clearly Barney's (laughs) pen-palling with good-looking women in, in prison so he can get conjugal visits. And we have Barney sitting at the window with Becca, and he mentions as he's going into this that this was the perfect relationship. She could only call him once a week. If she became too clingy, the armed guards would literally stop her. <laughs> and dinner was free, which, well, I guess he pays his, paid for the dinner because of, he pays taxes. But then again, everyone does. So thank you guys <laughs> right. to the rest of them. That was kind of a funny run through there. Yeah. And. Okay. No, nothing on the page about it. Yes. No, that doesn't mean that you're yes. right. Barney's sympathizing with her. He knows it's hard to be in there. He's in prison, Ooh, too. Interesting. What? Willie first said the phrase in the playbook to Barney. Which we haven't gotten to yet. Right. The phrase was first introduced by Lily in the Simpable. So even this is wrong. But yeah, how, how can both of those things be true? <laughs> I think now are we at a point where we've proven that I'm right? Yes, now you have been proven right. Yes, I love being right. <laughs> Although considering that this is saying two different episodes. Jen, just, the first just, <laughs> I just let me get the you. wind here. I gave it to you. It's fine. It's fine. I'm very surprised, but... I can't wait to tell you what I've won by being right. (laughs) Okay. As he's with her at the window and sympathizing with her that he, too, is imprisoned in his heart, (laughs) he leans over, is the room ready or what? To a guard, I guess. We don't see off screen. Right. She says he's the only thing that's keeping her going there. All of a sudden, another, you know, attractive-ish girl gets escorted in to the... I don't even know what you call this room where you talk to people across the glass, but whatever. Visitation room? Yeah, or something. Wherever they sit her down, he runs over. He goes, hello, strange. And he hangs up with the first woman, Becca, and then picks up with the second one on her phone and says, he's Barney Stinson, attorney at law. Let's talk about getting you off, which I think is a pretty good line, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Becca slams that girl into the wall and says, hell no. And they get into a huge fight. And I know, I, this poor girl. She had no idea what was going on. I got to say, the two actresses are doing a phenomenal fight acting in this scene. If you, <laughs> like, back it up and watch it, they are all over the place, and their moves are really strong and good. Like, it doesn't look like it's they're soft pedaling it. Mm-hmm. They are really going after each other. It must have been two stunt doubles, or the two women that were the actresses are also stunt women. Maybe they're MMA fighters. Could be. So Barney tells the gang that 
Was Barney taking pictures at that point? I can't remember. <laughs> I, I think, I think either pictures or video. He pulls out his phone, though. Um, so apparently Becca's been writing him letters saying she's going to come get him after she gets out of prison. She's going to hang his eyes from her rearview mirror. Gross. Yes. And so... <laughs> I like Barney's women, eh? <laughs> right. And so this is where, you know, Ted points out that, you know, you're scared of Becca, Lily's scared of Gasser. But again, Ted's not scared of Stella. But he's scared of running into her. Like, it's going to create an awkward situation. And he's scared, as an Ohio person, of awkward situations. <laughs> I know a few people from Ohio. None of them are like this. <laughs> so Marshall peeks out. Stella's gone, so they can all come back up. But then immediately she's back, so they all go back down. Except for Barney. Where is he? He's under the table of where the three women were. Right. And looks at them. I don't know what, he th- what he's going to do there. He doesn't seem to stay very long. He's back pretty quick. Yeah, we get no indication of if he interacted with them or right. got kicked by them, which is probably what should have happened. Yeah. So Marshall tries to tell Ted that you know, they all think he needs to go talk to Stella, and Robin points out that she does not agree. So now we're going to get Robin's backstory because it's about her father. And this is a good origin story for Robin because mm-hmm. this sort of sets us up for the Robin we know for the next few seasons. She hasn't spoken to her dad in three years. We start at when they're in the hospital room giving birth and Robin's dad's wearing a shirt that says, it's a boy. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. And he's yelling, give me my son at the doctor that is helping along with delivering the baby. And she was a girl, but that didn't change the fact that he wanted a son. And what's what name did he give her? <laughs> yes, Robin's full legal name is Robin Charles Sherbatsky Jr. <laughs> so she's a junior. That's That's the good part of it. <laughs> right. They get a junior on the end of there. We get a scene of him taking her hunting at age eight for the first time, and she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to go hunt deer. They're cute, and he said, "He says, well, you said the same about rabbits, but remember how delicious they were? I don't think I've ever eaten rabbit. No, I have eaten deer." Then Robin says, "Years after, even years after her body developed, <laughs> we get Barney said, wait a second, and then he starts recording from there. I should also say that her father's." This is the first actor that plays her father. Uh, the actor's name is Eric Braden. He's most known for being on The Young and the Restless. In fact, I think he's still on it uh, after 31 years. Really? Or no, 41 years. Holy cow. I think he's been on it since 1980. Uh, later, it's played by Ray Wise, who's, I think, a little bit more well-known actor, but plays him more as a bit of a psycho instead of some sort of, you know, weird... I don't know how to describe this one, but he talks with sort of an affected accent, Mm -hmm. especially when he says, uh, I will come back with an assortment of soft drinks and American pretzels. (laughs) So she's talking about when she's 14, after, you know, she's developed a little bit. She's on a junior hockey team. We've already pointed out that she said she's never played on Mm -hmm. team sports before. So we're finally at that moment where it's also proven wrong. And they had just won some Squamish... I can't... A Squamish Invitational. Everyone came back to their house to celebrate. So their house looks like a castle. Yeah, I mean, we do find out that they're very wealthy. Yeah. Um, when her father and the rest of the team leave the room, her and another guy on the team start teasing each other. I mean, she, I guess, missed a shot. They're calling each other hoser, and then they just go straight into make-out session. 
Now, is this the guy she... No. Virginity? Okay. Oh, no. Okay. It's so certainly they, not the they, same they, actor. But they reuse the name, because like, later she says Kyle. But I think maybe that was her sister's boyfriend's name. Yeah, that was. Okay. Again, reusing names. Right. <laughs> maybe it's a common name in Canada. Well, but the second Kyle wasn't Canadian. Or maybe he was. That's right, because... Yeah, because her sister... Oh, yeah, would still be up in Canada. Sorry. But, yeah, then her, her dad walks in and has a bit of a speech Hockey about it. Te- <laughs> teammates don't kiss. Hockey players do not kiss. Uh, like, he ends it with, I have no son. <laughs> so, Barney starts to sympathize. You know, you poor thing. And then we get a classic Barney move here. We're Canadian shaming. Right. To have to grow up in Canada with America right there. Yeah, it's sort of a strange character trait of Barney's that he's so hyper <laughs> pro-America. Right. Uh, Marshall's pretty funny here. You know, that sucks about your dad, Robin, but congratulations on that game. Yeah. Very Marshall-esque. <laughs> Robin points out that they weren't doing anything serious. They only went to the blue line. Yeah, so we get, instead of uh, the baseball metaphor, we right. get the hockey metaphor of blue line is the kiss, red line's to be naked. And I like that. I think that in the crease speaks for itself. That's a <laughs> hockey term. I won't go into it. Right. So she moved out of her father's place and went to go live with her mother and right. became a Canadian pop star. Yeah, normal teen stuff. <laughs> and I do like we get another like, opposite where she says, my relationship with my dad pretty much went north. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good. I miss that. Robin thinks it's useless to try and talk things out. It never worked with her father and... She kind of goes off on all her anger on her father right then and there. Everyone's kind of sympathizing with her and glad that she let that out. Um, But they all kind of say sorry at the same time while Barney says it's hot. Right. So classic Barney saying the opposite thing of everybody else when they all speak at the same time. Right. I like it. Right. And so Ted actually takes this to heart and realizes, you know, this was a lot for Robin to hold in. All of his friends were haunted. But he had the opportunity to confront his ghost. Yeah, as he talks about ghosts and going out to confront Stella, we see Stella at the register and all the flashback characters there Mm -hmm. standing next to her. Right. So he's ready to go talk to her, and everyone, you know, hypes him up, but she's already left the restaurant. Yeah, so he said, I'm going to go find her. I'm going to go after her. Uh, He sees her get into a cab, so they all get into a cab to follow and they're still trying to, in the cab, get him angry. So that when he confronts her, he confronts her with strength. Because at first they say, what are you going to say? And his first version of this is, Stella, sorry it didn't work out. Yeah, that's a weird... <laughs> reason to go after her. Right. Right. But then he points out, you know, she can tell me her side of this. I'm going to listen. You know, maybe, maybe I should have done more of that before. And that's true. Yeah. He actually wasn't a very good boyfriend. We, we pointed out many mm-hmm. times when he wasn't. Right. Barney is not happy with this line of speech. He asked the cab driver to drive them into the nearest lamppost. Everyone buckle up, not you, Ted. <laughs> Stupid but funny. Marshall wants him to get mad. And as Ted's sitting there equivocating, Marshall, to cut him off, says, She hated Star Wars. <laughs> she lied to him. Um... He goes, search your feelings. You know it to be true. And he starts to use the voice of the Emperor from Star Wars as he's trying to get 
It's a scene where the Emperor is trying to get Luke Skywalker to get angry, to try and get him to come over to the to kill his father and come over to the dark side. Ah, okay. And so he does say, "Search your feelings. I, you know it to be true." I figured it was some sort of Star Wars reference. So that that was a very well placed line. Okay. Then Lily notices that the taxi is not going into the Lincoln Tunnel. Which I guess the Lincoln Tunnel goes to New Jersey. Yes, it does. They think maybe, Ted suggests maybe they're going to her office, but no, Marshall says that she said she was going straight home. Then Ted realizes that Tony lives downtown. They're going to Tony's home. She wouldn't move to New York for him, but for Tony, she will, and now he's very angry. Now, I get why this needed to be here to get him angry, to move the story along, but that's a pretty big assumption. Like... I don't know. She could just be casually saying home as Tony's home. She probably hasn't sold her house. This is the day later. This isn't a day later. This is... Oh, that's right. It's maybe a couple weeks later. Okay, but still. But yeah, there's no... There's no reason to think she actually moved in there. Like, yes, you know, they're probably spending time together if they're back together. That doesn't mean she moved her and Lucy into that apartment. You're right. That was quite a leap. But it gets Ted angry, which, you know, like I said, moves the story and along. As, and as he's showing anger, they're playing heavy metal guitar music. And I'm surprised that they weren't playing Murder, murder Train. Train in this oh, scene. Oh, such a missed opportunity. Yeah, because I was listening. I was like, this has got to be Murder Train coming in here. And it wasn't. <laughs> so Ted's really mad and somehow pulls the window crank off of the door. Now that's Marshall's, rude. Yeah. Marshall's hyping him up. Yeah, that is awesome. Sir, we'd be happy to cover the cost of that window crank. Now they want to know what he's going to say, and he knows exactly what he's going to say. So he gets out of the taxi, and he goes into the speech about how you chose the wrong guy. You made a really, really bad choice. It was sort of like, this guy? Are you kidding me? Um, You know, has she not learned anything in the past eight years? She's going to regret this. And she can't do anything about it now because it's too late. He doesn't want to win her back. But he needs her to know that she made the worst mistake of her life, and she says, I know. Then we get a flash of the fact that Ted is still actually in the taxi, so that was more imagined. Yeah, that's what he's planning on saying and how he thinks it's going to go. And they all approve and cheer him on. So he gets out of the taxi, and as he's getting out to approach her, Tony and Lucy come out and hug her, and they all look very happy. Mm-hmm. So I guess Ted just realized you know, they were meant to be, and so he wasn't mad. He just... You know, decided to move on for real. He was the one. Tony was the one. It's ineffable. <laughs> you know, I I get what they're going for here, but, you know, saying the perfect ending to a perfect love story seems a bit forced. This clearly wasn't a perfect love story for that couple. Like, I don't know. Kind of seemed that way in The Wedding Bride. <laughs> I don't believe that wedding bride propaganda. <laughs> Okay. So I realized actually after last episode that we, we referenced The Wedding Bride, but we didn't actually talk about it, which we don't have to a lot, but like for people that are maybe more casual viewers of the show, or I can't imagine there's a lot of people listening that haven't already seen the series all the way through because we give so many spoilers. But um, so later on, there is a, you know, a fake movie that comes out in in the universe of it, How I Met Your Mother. Right, called The Wedding Bride that Tony wrote. 
and it has, <laughs> you it, know, Tony is the hero and Ted is this, you know, bad guy who's terrible to Stella. <laughs> it's very, very funny. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's it's very highly ranked episode by me. And right. uh, but I realize that like we the cameos we have in that one are just <laughs> phenomenal. Right. Um, but yeah, I realize we reference it without really talking about it. So. And then they do actually a wedding, the wedding bride too. That I think it's I like season eight, maybe or season nine. Yeah, one of those seasons we haven't really rewatched. I think it's much. season nine because I think they're like stuck there in the hotel watching it on TV. Yeah, and they swear they won't watch it, but they can't help themselves. <laughs> and I feel like there's a character named like Marshall. In That's it. right, because Marshall wasn't in the first one. And he was like really offended about it. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Or you know. Ted talks about how, you know, Tony's, she made a huge mistake. Tony's going to make her miserable, but. I mean, I guess they ended up happy. Yeah, I mean, as far as we know. Do we ever. I don't think they close out on them in the final episode or in one of the, in the final season, I think. Right. It seems as though, you know, he, he came from money. They were in love when they got back together. He wrote a successful screenplay. It seems, and, and they moved out to L.A., and she had a good practice, dermatology practice out in L.A., okay. as doing a lot of tattoo that. removals. So it seems like things went well okay. with her decision. Okay. Well, good for them, then. All right. Where did I rank this? Oh, I don't know, because the, the ranking you gave me only went up to 100. It's in the top 100. Okay. <laughs> hmm. 93. That's pretty close. It is... Oh, wait, no. That's exactly it. 93. No way! Yeah. Yes! (laughs) I love having this little chart. All right, that evens out me being right. You owe me no payment on that. From earlier. I'll start with my favorite joke. I think it's the Lily delivery of 10. Ted, it's been 24 hours after he gives that long speech is probably my favorite moment of the show i liked barney's i look at that young man popping and locking his way over to the jukebox and i think to myself you know maybe stella made the right call yeah my least favorite was the whole we need cool and the gang that's mine too and then they don't even play cool and the gang that <laughs> <laughs> just but those little things bug me mm-hmm. um next up we have not a father's day Oh, that's going to be low. on. Is that going to be in the past 100? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yes, I don't have fond memories. I think all the stuff with Barney is really bad. Okay. The, the, all the Not a Father's Day gifts and his friends that he has come along that don't get, even get any lines. Right. And he keeps referring to them by name. Look what he has, a mug, and he has a shirt. And, uh, but the stuff with Lily wanting Lily and Marshall talking about having a baby or not is pretty oh, funny. Oh, yeah, that's going to pull the ranking up. And we get the father from The Wonder Years <laughs> in it. Yeah. He has like two lines. Okay. I'm not sure why they even brought him in. <laughs> Do we have any emails or anything? No, we didn't. We didn't hear from Danielle. Danielle, I hope you're okay. <laughs> we love you. Um, go ahead and tell people where they can find us. You can find us at runklerecaps.com. Email us at runklerecaps at gmail.com, on Twitter at runklerecaps, and Instagram underscore how I met your podcast underscore. Oh, well, Jenna started popping and locking to cool in the gang, so that means it's time for us to go. So long, folks. Bye, everybody.